Hi, everyone. At the end of my podcast, you'll hear a fantastic song called How Amazing Is Your Love by Jarette Jilks. Jarette Jilks is an artist from the island of Barbados. So I will leave the information in the show notes where you can go and download and purchase that song. How amazing is your love? We're going to play it every week of this podcast series on sin because I want you to feel blessed. And that song, How Amazing Is Your Love, is going to bless you and uplift you. So go ahead and purchase it from Amazon, from Spotify, from YouTube today. Get a copy. In fact, get a copy of the whole album. So stay tuned till the end of the podcast so you can hear her new song, How Amazing. listening to Purpose and Life Podcast with Pastor Christine Desiree. We provide motivating teachings that will help you understand and apply biblical principles to your life, show you how to overcome obstacles and challenges, and inspire you to live a life on purpose. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm extremely grateful that you chose to tune in and listen to my podcast today. You know, when I announced that I was going to do this series on the S word, sin, I didn't expect to receive as much interest as I have, but the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. And I'm so grateful to you once more for showing up and coming to hear today's message. I wrote a post in my group earlier this week about this series And I mentioned that every week our pastors preach about lying, complaining, gossiping, lust, unforgiveness, and so much more. And we have no problem with that as long as it has nothing to do with us. But it makes people feel so uncomfortable when faced with and confronted with their own sins. In our culture, as soon as sin is mentioned, people feel like their rights are being invaded and violated. And this is not a good attitude to have. I do believe that part of the reason is because this topic has been mishandled in the body of Christ. So often when sermons about sin are presented, many people feel condemned and ashamed. They leave feeling hopeless and judged. But that's not my intention this morning. Yes, this is a challenging subject. Yes, it can be difficult to hear. But my prayer is that you will leave this morning feeling a sense of encouragement because I believe there is hope in Jesus Christ for all who sin and fall short of God's glory. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, the Bible is a mirror. And when you reread the word of God, it confronts us and it helps to shed light on the dark places in our lives. So let me give you a practical example of that. When a doctor diagnoses a problem or a disease in your body, you don't accuse him of infringing on your rights. Instead, you express gratitude to your doctor and inquire about the different treatment options. You want to treat the illness or disease before it kills you. 
It's the same thing. The Bible teaches that sin is a disease of the soul that will destroy your life. And if you do not treat that disease, it will eventually kill you. But I want you to know that Jesus is the medicine and the remedy for sin in your life. This is good news. Jesus is the medicine and the remedy for sin in your life. And if you are a Christian and you are listening to me today, God does not want you to feel condemned. And the whole plan of salvation is to get us set free so that you won't walk according to your flesh, but according to the spirit of God that is within you. The Lord wants to shed light on those dark places in your life and bring his light to your life so you can shine. I want you to know that when I wrote this message, I thought about you. I prayed for you and I prayed for you with tears with, and with groaning. I ask God, Lord, please set her free. God, please set him free through this word. And it's not fun living in, in darkness. It's not fun having secret sins, hiding from the world, from your family and from your friends, living a life full of bondage and fear. This is not what God desires for you. God doesn't want that for you. He wants to set you free. He wants to liberate you. God wants you to experience the newness of life that is found in Jesus, my friend. So if you are struggling with sin in your Christian walk, please tune in and listen to this entire series. I truly believe that God would use this these episodes to give you the understanding that you need and help free you from the grip and the stronghold of sin. So let's dig in. Today we are going to look at what sin is and what sin does. So what is sin? According to Webster's Dictionary, sin is an immoral act considered a transgression against God's law. I'll say that again. Sin is an, an immoral act considered a transgression against God's law. Sin is any act regard, regarded as a transgression or an offense, a crime, a felony, a wrongdoing, a willful or deliberate violation of some religious or moral principle. It's an act that is committed willfully, meaning you did it on purpose, knowing what it would do to you. You knew what it would cost you and you went ahead and did it anyhow. So sin is open defiance of God's laws. Sin is a violation of a standard of behavior established by God. God has set standards that are revealed in his word. And if you violate those standards, it's called sin. And as a Christian, you must adhere to the specific guidelines in your daily life, standards that will protect you, standards that God designed to cover you and to keep you. Sin is also defined as an action that is perceived as highly repulsive and unpleasant, a foul odor or a bad smell. Just think about the worst odor you have ever encountered in your life. I remember for me, one time my husband and I, we really wanted to eat at this restaurant. We had heard so much and so many good things about this restaurant in town. And so we said we were going to set out and we were going to go to that restaurant. And we went to the restaurant and upon driving into the 
parking lot. We had our windows down. I'm not even sure we had our windows down, but that, to tell you how powerful the smell was, we began to smell this foul odor. And I mean foul. It was disgusting and it was repulsive. And we could not even get out of our car to go into that restaurant. And everything, that restaurant that everybody spoke about in town that was so good just became a symbol of nastiness and sickness and grossness to us because of that smell. And that's what sin is in God's eyes. It is a foul odor. It is a bad smell in God's sight. And these definitions I just gave you, this is how the world defines sin. So now let's look at what the Bible says about sin. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 29. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In his image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, having dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I read the scriptural passage to show you what it was like in the beginning and what God's heart and intention and plan was for us. So we see in this passage, right, that God created man. God created mankind. That's a fact that is established. He made man in his likeness, all right? God created man and he made man in his likeness. That means God created us in his own image. He created us to be like him. He fashioned men according, mankind, man according to his likeness. And God created us to reflect his nature, Okay, God created us that we would reflect his character and that we would represent him on the earth. And so we know that God is good. We know that God is love. We also know that God is without sin. And that's how God created man. He created us to reflect his nature, which is a sinful, sinless nature. He created us to reflect his character of love and kindness and goodness. And he created us to represent him on the earth. And we know that God is without sin. And God created man in his image and likeness. And God also gave man authority. And he gave man dominion and power to rule the earth. Okay. So look at all these wonderful things that God did. And then after God created man, he turns. Okay. And he says, and he, and he says, this is good. And then he blesses man. And the Bible says that what God blesses is not cursed. So man was created by God. Man was created in his likeness, in his image. Man was um, given authority and God called us good. The thing that he created good and God blessed man. So we know that God created a good thing when he created mankind. So the question is, then how did sin enter the world? How did this all turn around? Well, if you go with me to Genesis chapter two, verses eight and 15, it says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground, the Lord 
God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you may eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis chapter three, verses one through eight. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And we'll stop there. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 15, we see that God created this beautiful garden for man to live in. But we also see that he established standards and guidelines for man. He told Adam, you can eat and you can tend all the trees in the garden, but do not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he went further. He said, if you eat, you will surely die. So we see that God set the standard and God told Adam what would happen if he deviated from his standard and from his command. Later on, we find Satan doing what he does best, roaming around, seeking whoever he may devour, meeting with Eve, and he begins to entice her. And he casts doubt in Eve's mind about the word that God spoke to them concerning the tree. Satan begins to whisper in her ears, did God truly tell you not to eat from this tree, Eve? God didn't actually intend for you not to touch it. Then Satan, what he did, did he began to contradict the word of God, claiming that if Eve eats of it, she would not die. He tells her, eat the fruit and you will be like God. So what Satan did, he sowed seeds of doubt and denial of God's word and in Eve's mind. And Eve listened to Satan rather voice, Satan's voice rather than God's voice. Eve deliberately chose to ignore God's word and listen to Satan's voice. And as the scriptural passage tells us, she went to her husband, Adam, and Adam ate of the fruit as well. So how did sin enter into the world? And what is sin? Sin came to the world through man. Sin came into the world through the fall of man. 
So sin is the outcome of man's rebellion against God. I want you to know that today. Sin is the outcome of man's rebellion against God's word. It is rebellion against God's authority. I mean, there's no other way to look at it, right? Adam and Eve heard God's word to them and they made a conscious choice, a conscious decision to disobey God. Sin is a result of man turning away from God's laws, his ordinances, and his commandments to do what man prefers to do and what he wants to do. So it re- it's the result of man wanting to do his own desires. So when you sin, you say to God, I know this is what you want me to do, or I know this is how you want me to live. I know this is what you, how you want me to respond, but I choose to do it my way instead. It's like that child who puts his hand in the electrical outlet after mommy says no. His mommy said no, and he knows it. He gets what mommy means. He understands it. And when he's, and mommy says, don't touch it, but that child turns around and puts his finger in the outlet while walking and not walking, but looking back at mommy at the same time. That's what that is. Sin is choosing to live up to your own standards rather than living up to God's standards. Okay, it's making the choice to act according to your own wishes rather than to do God's will. That's why it smells. That's why it's foul in God's presence. So it's like saying God wants me to respect and honor my elders or he wants me to respect and honor the laws of the land. But instead, I choose to disrespect and dishonor my elders or I choose to disrespect the laws of the land. God wants me to forgive those who have done wrong to us, but instead we choose to hold unforgiveness and to hold malice and and, uh, grudges in our hearts towards those who harm us, right? God wants us to live a clean and a holy life, but instead we choose to live an unholy and an unrighteous life. So sin is... Okay, it came into the world through the fall of man, right? And, um, sin is living that life and doing the opposite of what God wants us to do. Okay. Number two, sin is obedience to Satan rather to God. In Ephesians chapter two, verse two, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. So according to the scripture, sin is obedience to the world system. That's what we once used to do. That's what the Bible said. Sin is obedience and following the worldly lifestyle. It's following the desires of our flesh. And at one point before you were saved, that's what we did. We followed the desires of our flesh. Sin is following the desires of Satan, the ruler in the kingdom of the air. Okay. So sin is obedience to Satan rather than God. Number three, sin is not only doing wrong things, 
But listen to this, but failing to do right things. Sin is not only doing wrong things, but failing to do right things. James chapter four, verse 17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So if you know something is right for you to do and you don't do it, that is a sin. The Bible calls it sin. It's also wrong to not do what you are supposed to do. Okay. Sin is also falling short of the glory of God. It's a famous scripture that we all know. Romans chapter three, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So sin is falling short of the standards that God has, has the standard that have been established by God. Okay. The standards plural that have been established by God. It's missing the mark. Okay. God has set God has a set of standards and outcomes for man, but it's making a decision to ignore them and do the opposite. It's disobeying God's rules and lifestyle principles. It's basically you are violating God's moral laws. Okay. What does sin do? Um, sin, what does sin do? That's the other question that we said we're going to answer today. Sin is a power or a force that seeks to control your life. Sin is a power or a force that seeks to control your life. Romans chapter six, verse 12 says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desire. And I want you to get this picture. Sin is like a tyrant, a dictator, a king, a ruler that wants to take control and dominate your soul your passions, your desires, your body members, right? It wishes to control and dominate your life. So sin wants to enslave and persuade you. It wants to put chains on you, okay? And it has the ability to ruin and destroy your life. Okay, so what does sin do? Sin is a power and a force that seeks to control your life. But sin is also a wall that separates you from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden your face from you so that he will not hear you. See, it brings a wall between you and God. It causes you to hide yourself from God in his presence. It brings that barrier between you and God. And that's why when you sin, you feel so far from God. That's why when you have sin in your life and you go to church, it's hard to worship. It's hard to praise him. It's hard to raise your hand. It's even more difficult to pray. It's hard to hear God and to experience his presence because sin brings a barrier between you and God. And that barrier is sin. Okay. God hates sin. And that sin is that barrier between him. And that's why it's so difficult when you're in God's presence to receive because that barrier is that there. And that's what it wants to do to you. Satan's goal is for God not to hear you and for you not to hear God. So he brings that sin to bring a barrier between you and God, because you know, Satan doesn't want anything good for us. He wants to separate um, us from God. And we're going to talk later on in the upcoming weeks about that. But I wanted to just introduce that to, to you today, that sin brings separation between you and God. And lastly, sin is a liability, not an asset or a resource. It's always wrong 
and it's always and it always has repercussions and consequences. Sin is a liability and not an asset or a resource. It's always wrong and it always has repercussions and consequences. Um, so, but you know what? I want to leave you tonight with good news. I said I would do that. And I believe that, that God has a rescue plan. He has a plan to save you. And he has the ability and the desire to restore you to your original state. That is to reposition you where you were previously. Okay. And I'm not talking about when you were in sin. I'm talking about those who have backslidden, those who were once walking with Christ, that when you had that new salvation experience, God wants to reposition you there. Okay. Those of you who have allowed sin to enter your life and to control you, God wants to put you back in that place and restore you back. Jesus is his rescue plan. For those of you who have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that Jesus is God's rescue plan. Jesus gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you. He came into the world to bear your sins and the punishment for your sins. Jesus is God's standard. And Jesus, like I said earlier, is the medicine and the remedy. In fact, he is the cure and he's the treatment for your sin. And if you let him, he can give you a new life today. I want to pray for you today. And so I want, I want the Lord to set you free. That's my heart. Those of you who have been struggling and those of you who have been battling, I want to pray for you. So I'm going to pray for you, Lord. I pray for everyone who is battling with sin in their lives, who have heard this word today. Father, that man and that woman, that teenager, that boy, that girl who is listening to this message today because they desire to be set free from the grip and the bondage of sin, I pray that you would wash them. Lord, cleanse them with your blood. Lord, set them free. Father, help them to let go of the sin in their lives and receive the life of holiness and righteousness that you have provided for them through Jesus Christ. Father, give them hope. Lord, give them peace. Lord, heal them of all unrighteousness. Heal them of their infirmities, Lord, and save them. Lord, we pray all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Next week, we will continue on this series on sin. I'll be talking some more about what sin does and about the separation and how our lives will be uh, filled with darkness and with fear as a result of sin. I hope you'll return to hear and listen what God has to say. I want you to come back every week until you get the freedom that you deserve, the freedom that God has given you in Jesus. I know he will set you free. He did it for me. He's done it for others and he will do it for you. God bless you. And I will see you next time. How amazing is your love? How amazing is your love?